Hello, world, and thank you for joining me today. This is Shelley Shearer, and you are listening to the podcast Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, where if I've experienced it, I'm going to share it with you. If I've learned it, I'm going to tell you about it, and always some education along the way. Hello, world, Shelley Shearer here, and welcome to the show. Coulda, woulda, shoulda, where we're going to talk today about contemplation. Now, the point of this podcast is to talk about things that will help you not live in regret. That is my goal in this podcast. And then the other thing that we talk about a lot, which are the, to me, very tied in, is high-functioning habits. And contemplation is what I consider one of the top 10 high-functioning habits of anyone that wants to be really highly effective, okay? Now, I'm actually working on an ebook for everyone out there to go with the new website, which I've been talking about, I know, for the better part of a year, but it actually is coming to fruition finally. And this ebook has had me really stumped, and uh, I started it last summer, and it was more about health. And I, I'm, I, my regular listeners might have remembered me talking about perhaps launching a course in the fall on that sort of thing. Well, it's become very apparent that my calling and my speciality is on helping facilitate people to open their minds, have high functioning habits, be aware. And that is where my focus is going. Still might launch the course here this year, but it will be more about supporting people over an eight week period uh, to help them identify what habits in their life might need to change because everybody's different. And I came to some of those realizations through contemplation. Now, what exactly is contemplation? Well, there's a lot of things you can say about it, a lot of areas you could take it, but for me, it really does tie into all of the things that involve meditation or quieting the mind, prayer, and allowing the universe to speak to you. If you do not quiet your mind, it is very difficult for anybody else to be heard. When I see anybody else, maybe it's actually something physical, a person speaking to you, an animal, nature around you, ideas, the universe, God, the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter. I believe firmly, and it's really been proven over and over again by some of the most highly effective people on the planet that have written books, um, you know, talking about how to win friends and influence people, highly effective habits you know, my brand of high, high functioning habits, these Jim Rohn and the uh, Napoleon Hills of the world, there's more to it than just the fact that, you know, whether you do or don't believe in the secret and the law of attraction, it is about, do you take time to quiet the mind? And the point of that is for more than just hoping ideas will come to you. It is about inner peace and it is about better health. Yes, I know, shock and amazement. But most people do not think about this. Stress is a killer. In this century, that has now been identified. It is talked about. People are always trying to de-stress. I really noticed more around the um, uh, late 90s and, and the 2000s, especially like during the decade of 2010, that it was all about detoxification, antioxidants, that sort of thing. And I'm a big believer in that. But I have really found that my focus now with ionic foot baths and ionized alkaline water machines, I am more really swaying towards physical modalities of solving the problem, not band-aiding the symptoms. Totally different podcast. You know, I will talk on that later. It'll be on the website. It'll be on the Facebook group, Living Well with Shell. 
Um, I'll try and link that into the High Functioning Habits website as well. But I, this is becoming really clear to me and, and I'm becoming like I am with my wine and my health, little bit of a fanatic. Because why close the barn door after the house, horses got out? Okay? We want to keep things contained and healthy in advance. And contemplation, meditation, prayer is how that happens. That is how we quiet our mind. It is how we receive from the universe. It is how we actually, and now I do it physically, tell our ego to please step aside. Your ego is just a part of who you are. Your consciousness, your subconsciousness, your soul, your physical body. These are all multiple components of who you are as an individual. They are not isolated and they are not all the same. Some of you may or may not believe that, but I'm telling you that's what I believe and there's been a lot of proof around that both in the psychological community and in the physical community, medical and such, that this is becoming a little more mainstream for everyone. They, re they realize these things are interconnected. I used to joke a couple years back when um, people would say about health issues, well, it's all in your mind. And I sort of coined a phrase where I said, I celebrate it being all in your mind because as far as I'm concerned, that is where it starts. And that's why the placebo effect can work so effectively. And people say, well, they weren't even taking the right drug. Well, you know what? If someone believes it, you'd be surprised how the mind can affect the body. So for some people, contemplation is just daydreaming. You know what? You look at someone and you might even look at your kids and say, oh, they're always dreaming. They're always off on la-la land. Do you know what? Don't, don't beat that out of them. They have the ability to do something that you have lost. <laughs> and, and I hate to break it to you, but watch them. Learn from them so you can get it back. It is very important to daydream. It is very important to find the modality and method of your contemplation. Now, for me, it was a little easier and a little harder. This is why. I was raised with prayer. When I finally got my head around what meditation could look like, it was very easy for me because I was trained with prayer. I've been, I was taught it, literally taught it in church in my home. It's just another, like a skill set almost. Something you practice, like brushing your teeth, making your bed and eating well. Meditation for me was always very difficult because I have enough mind chatter for 10 people. My brain never shuts the freak up, which made it very interesting. Here's a little segue when I took up golf because people in my life, when I took it up in my mid to late 30s, really late 30s, I did extremey type stuff. I mountain biked, I played squash, I rollerbladed, I grew up in the great outdoors on a dirt bike, fishing, that sort of thing. I guess I can shoot a gun, I'm just not very good at it. Um, I was exposed to it, didn't mean I embraced it all, it's just I was exposed to all of it, which that's why I'm a big fan of please expose your kids to so many different things to the best of your ability so they can decide for themselves. So I'm definitely a chocolate on your pillows kind of girl, just came back from a five-star resort that was gifted to us through friends my kind of vacation, but not how I was raised. So I, I've experienced the dirt and the camping and I prefer the chocolate on the pillow, but I wouldn't be the person I am without all of it. Okay. So because of that, just like prayer, these were things were taught. I was exposed to them. So meditation was tough with the mind chatter, but when I took up golf, everything shut off for five hours. It was like, it was like an aha moment for me. It was just unbelievable how wonderful golf was. My mind shuts up. 
it's spectacular. So, very avid golfer, and it's also became, of course, it was my hus current husband. I, I was married when I was very younger, but it is my husband that taught me to golf. I took to it very naturally. I have a natural swing. I kind of addressed the ball. He looked at me and says, you've golfed before. I said, no, I haven't. You know, hit the ball straight down the fairway with the three wood, 150 yards. He was stunned. I'd never picked up a golf club in my life. So I didn't have to learn to hit a ball. I think if I had to learn to hit a ball, I would have given it up ages ago, but I didn't have to. And it was our thing to do together. And it's something we do on vacations and it's, it's our time and we do it with friends. It, it, it's a huge part of our life, our, our, our couple life, to be perfectly honest. But for me, it's a huge part of my quiet the mind thing. And it was just amazing that this one activity shut that brain off. Really, in some ways, shut the ego off. Because just in case you were wondering, nine times out of ten, it's your ego nattering in your head. You know, it's just blah, blah, blah. Because it always wants to be heard. Okay? It's just... So speaking of that, it's one of the disciplines I've had to learn this last year is telling my ego to please be quiet and go to sleep now. So everyone's meditation and contemplation is a little bit different. I'm sorry I'm jumping all over the place, but I just want to touch on a few things in my life and see if you can relate to them and then decide if any of these things would work for you or whether, excuse me, you've been judging something in your own life, calling it by a different label when you just really just don't need to and can embrace it as being part of that part of your health. Now, they've done so many studies with our brains and the brain waves and all that kind of stuff. And it is so apparent that when we calm our central nervous system, calm our minds, our health is better. You are more alert. People are more creative. Their memory is better. So it is a huge part. Like I say, I believe it's number three in my ebook on high functioning habits is contemplation. And the reason I don't call it meditation is everyone gets that immediate, unless you're into that sort of thing, woo-woo, knee-jerk, block-out mentality. So we're going to call it contemplation. Some people, it's prayer. That's a two-sided conversation with another entity, if that's what you believe in. Still, I think it's all the same thing. Okay? That's my take on it. So what sort of things have I noticed in my life? Well, one, yoga has really helped for me because when I got sick with fibromyalgia, I started taking yoga that's restorative. I am in a type of yoga studio that doesn't just do physical modality. In other words, there's no Bikram's hot yoga, uh, which fibro patients should never do, by the way, if you are one of my uh, listeners that has fibro and is connected with me. You need to be doing gentle, tensegrity type stuff. And you need to bring in all, I believe my uh, teacher tells me there's nine, is it seven or nine, legs of yoga. And honestly, quite honestly, most yoga studios, two, maybe three, practice the nine points of yoga. Uh, and if I'm wrong that it's seven, I apologize. Our studio practices all of them. So yoga is never just a physical thing for me when I go two to three times a week. It's about... It's my time. I can contemplate. There's some meditation in it. I'm taking things slow. I'm building awareness of movement. I'm doing strength training, course training. It is all part of it. And in fact, a little segue, I've had some pushback from a lot of Christians that just feel yoga because it's, you know, Indian based and from the East and Buddha and whatever and Kali. It's all sacrilegious. That is a bunch of bunk as far as I'm concerned. You have your beliefs and you take them wherever you go. I do not believe in Kali or graven images. God goes with me to yoga. But if you have a different belief, 
you take that with you to yoga, okay? So make it personal about you and don't let everybody else tell you what they think because you need to make that decision for yourself. So yoga is a good place for me. Now, because of the discipline I've learned in yoga over the last three years, when I go in my infrared sauna, I started after my 30 minutes of heat went off and the sauna is still hot, because usually I'm reading in there and usually nothing educational, I'm not going to lie. Occasionally I podcast in there, but really I just take 30 minutes and I'll, I'm reading one of my books or whatever I want to do. I will put everything aside and change my position, sit in the lotus, and I meditate for five minutes. And that is literally almost like prayer for me. That is just opening my mind, showing gratitude to the universe, seeing what might be getting shown to me. If I need to take energy, I take it. If I need to give it, I give it. It's just kind of a, it's five minutes, people. It's five minutes. And I certainly don't do it every day. But that little habit became really easy for me when I developed this other habit. So when the yoga kind of settled in, then that habit sort of came from that. Then, because I've been very, you know, conscious of working on really this podcast, and that helps me open my mind and explore new ideas and share them with you, is where I made the connection with the meditation, contemplation, prayer. It also has a large part to do with the chaos cycle that is taught in the Sacred Gifts course. And I'm going to do a, a podcast on the on the Sacred Gifts uh, chaos cycle here really soon, actually. I've just got to pull out some notes so I get it all right. But in the chaos cycle, it talks about, you know, resting and planning and going into action and that sort of thing. And that rest period and, and contemplation period, that is very, very important. And what happens with people in this North American lifestyle, and especially an A-type personality like myself, we're always in action and crash mode. So recovery is the other one, sorry. So I go from action to recovery, action to recovery. I'm never in contemplation and planning, rarely. And of course, that's not served me well. I've had a, you know, a successful life to a certain point and had some great successes in my life, but nothing super long-term because I'm always crashing. And then eventually I just got sick. And my immune system just said, I can't do this anymore. So it's really something you, you're going to want to think about if you're looking for long-term health and success. Every great leader, and I mean, I'm talking about the greats, you know, not, not the fly-by-nights or the get-rich-quick schemes. I'm talking great people that sometimes have even made their fortune and lost it and then they make it again because their mindset they always have the same habits, the same belief systems. They take time, they mentor, they read, they learn. These things are all just part of the big picture. And meditation, contemplation, quiet time, that is all part of the cycle. There are, and I am sorry that I have forgotten his name, but there was a really successful man years ago that uh, used to teach I'm sorry, I've got nothing for you. And if I think of it, I will put it on the website. He would take a month out of every year, a month, and go away. No work, no nothing. He planned his whole life around that because that was his time to contemplate, recharge. He knew he could last longer than the average person. Like, I can't go 11 months without downtime, but this person could. But he still wanted to, when he was teaching, he was still wanting to express how clearly that was needed and you know, really drive that point home. So sometimes for me, for instance, mornings, 
Do you ever wake up in the morning and you're just in that little hazy place and sometimes you've woken up too early and you're like, I want more sleep and you want to curl over and hit the alarm or whatever. Perhaps usually we're talking actually before the alarm even goes off. That's a mindset. Do you think to yourself, OMG, I'm going to have the worst day ever. I've now lost an hour's sleep and I'm exhausted. Or do you curl back into the pillow and say, oh, look, my body says my body's awake. I'm now going to spend time just letting thoughts flow. I know you're thinking about that, aren't you? I did, and it has changed everything for me this past year. I do not get resentful when I wake up too early, whether it's from pain from my illness or insomnia or I've just my mind's racing or it doesn't matter why or my husband's woken me up. It's like, okay, well, I don't have to be up yet. So I've really turned that into a very serious 30 minutes of contemplation. And that in turn actually became a bit of an area where I scribe because you know what it's like when you're just waking up and your mind's just, oh, it's so inventive and so creative. And then you fully wake up and you're like, what was that thought? Oh my goodness. If I could just have a recorder that could record my dreams and thoughts, I swear I could be a multi-billionaire, but that's not how it works. But your mind is very free in in that sort of dozy period. So use it, train yourself to use it. I can literally now go almost a full 30 minutes and withhold a lot of the content before I literally flip right out of that state and I'm awake. I'm staring at the ceiling, looking at the clock, going, oh, okay, I'm I'm literally awake now. That time is very important for me. So that's been kind of a neat time. What about nighttime? Maybe it's for you, it's a nighttime. So another thing that happens with me, you know, I have a lot of stuff going on, but most people usually find one or two avenues that they, they pursue and, and try and, and work the habit into, into that, into their life. What about bedtime? Same deal. I used to fight with the insomnia. And uh, now I use cannabis butter and sometimes um, CBD oils and things like that to help me sleep because I need to do battle pain and get rest. So that has been one thing that's kept me very high functioning with my fibro is I do sleep. And a lot of patients with chronic pain uh, do not. And especially also A-type personalities do not. So when the body and mind are rested, you can really cope with a lot more during the day, which is probably why my doctors consider me very high functioning. Because I'm not always just dragging and playing catch up. I have slept and that took a while, a long, a good year or more to really get that under control. But when I did, everything changed. So now at nighttime, same deal. Instead of just fighting with the fact that I need to go to sleep now, it's my bedtime. If I'm not asleep by 10 or 11 and then I'm not awake by this time, I'm going to be tired tomorrow. So I'm telling myself all these limiting beliefs. I'm chanting it through my head. Well, you know what? You believe that your body's going to follow suit. I don't do that anymore. I go to bed, no electronics an hour before sleeping if I can help it. I read if I can. That's a a serious habit I've developed. I book, okay, printed word. And then I curl into bed. Even though I might be drowsy but not super tired, if it is my bedtime, I am about the schedule and I'm about the habit. It's like making your bed in the morning, okay? It's a task. I go into bed and I let my mind go. It enables me to have some time in prayer because that's important to me. So that is true prayer. I literally pray. I speak to God and then my mind wanders off because it always does and I let it. 
and I celebrate it and I do not start telling myself negative things like, I'm not getting enough sleep, what's gonna happen? I literally just let the thoughts flow. I let my day go past. But what I do is I let them, like a movie screen, I just let it float across my brain, across the front of my eyelids, and I let it sweep away with no negative connotation that I'm gonna be exhausted in the morning, no negative connotation that I'm not getting enough sleep or that I'm struggling, I accept and absorb it and flow with the process. That has been amazing for me. Might not work for everyone, but it's really amazing for me. So that has really changed one of my, it's been kind of a paradigm shift actually. All of these things, these habits that I'm talking about, around the contemplation, around the meditation, is about accepting where you're at, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, working towards being calm, clearing your mind, accepting what's going on, so that you can function better physically. Does that make sense to everyone? The goal here, the goal is always to function better to have a higher functioning life. So how can that work for you? Do any of my examples sort of ring for you? Now, be careful driving, okay? That's not a good time to let your mind wander. You are running around with you know, tens of thousands of pounds of killer metal under your hands and, and feet. Please be aware, I tend to listen to eBooks during that time. But there are lots of other times in life where you can you know, start uh, indoctrinating this into your lifestyle, or there's already places that are there, but you're attaching negative attitudes towards that downtime instead of using it to your advantage. Like the trouble falling asleep or the early morning or you know, yoga or actually sitting meditating. Now, if you are a person that can truly meditate, and it, then, oh, please, please do that. Please just do that. I'm sort of explaining to you how my A-type personality, active brain illness, sort of short circuits a lot that for me. And I got tired of battling with it, thinking I was such a failure at meditation. I found other ways to make it work for me. And I've reaped huge benefits from it. But if you truly can spend time in prayer or time in true meditation, uh, guided meditations are wonderful. Uh, they really do help allowing your mind to shut off and you just listen and do what they say. That can be wonderful for people with active brains. I've spoken before about the fact that I have a membership to a company called, <laughs> isn't that silly? I'll check my iPad while I'm going on to the next thing um, that allows me to do these 12 minute little meditations with sound music and it balances the left and right sides of the brain. It's a proven sort of psychological technology and it's been very proven and it really helps calm the central nervous system. I do float tank stuff. I always have the beta wave, theta and beta waves going so that, because sitting in silence does it again, blah, 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 the mind chatter just carries on and it's not constructive. But if I have the soothing sounds of theta waves and beta waves going, depending on you know when I, whether I want to sleep or just relax, that really helps me calm my body down and that sort of thing. I'm just gonna go to my safari. Revolutioner, I knew it would come to me. I didn't even have to get that far. I have a, a membership to something called revolutioner.com. I think a lifetime membership is $199. And every time you get through 30 or 28 cycles of these 12 minutes, they just send you to the next level. So you could be on level 80. I'm on level five. I tend to reuse things a little bit and I don't do it every day. But headsets, 
Oh, there's the music playing in the background. I better shut that down, actually. It's self-started. That is an amazing way of dealing with anxiety and allowing your body and mind to rest. So the goal here is for you to figure out what is your goal. If you do not put any importance on having a balanced life, which I highly doubt you do or you would not be listening to my podcast, um, everything I've said here for the last 20 minutes is completely relevant to you. But if it truly is important to you and these, these types of changes and this type of awareness is important to you, think about what I've spoken about today. How can you perhaps change your thought process around some things that are already going on in your life and make them work for you or truly find a way to just create a new habit, make the time, make the discipline, make the choice and start because habits take time. Do you think that the things that you do in your life now already weren't just repeated behaviors over and over again when you were younger? They are. That's just how a habit works. That's a psychological fact. Doctors study this stuff. They can tell you. I'm going to do actually a podcast on that once I release the ebook because it's very important to understand how many times you need to repeat something, how long it could take. So you have realistic expectations in your life about creating brand new habits. But today, let's just think about the things that are already in your life and whether we can change some of the negative connotations you've got wrapped around them into positive affirmations that do allow you to sneak a little time to meditate, contemplate, speak to the universe, um, you know, get into the law of attraction, understand that uh, there's more than you out there, but you are so important and you are more than the body that you are living in. Have a great day, everyone, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you for joining me here today. And if you subscribe to my podcast, you won't miss a thing. Remember to focus on not living in regret. You can reach me on Twitter at livingwell8 or email me at livingwellwithshell at gmail.com. Let me know what you like best about today's podcast, leave a review on iTunes, or leave me a message on something you'd like me to speak on next. Have a great day, everyone.